all the news you need to know. Welcome to the Beautiful Butterfly Show, where great people and great topics are brought together for stimulating and thought-provoking conversation brought to you by the Vibration Radio Network. And welcome, everyone, to the Beautiful Butterfly Show. I'm your host, Bianca Fly. I want to thank you guys for joining us over here on Vibration Radio, your radio network. You guys, happy Thursday uh, to everybody. Hope that, you know, um, for a lot of people, this is your Friday. Uh, it's Good Friday and Easter and all that stuff coming up. A lot of people um, are getting ready to take off on their vacations and stuff. Um, and hang out with us this evening, you guys. We're talking about politics in 2016. This is our part two. Um, and, of course, joining me tonight is going to be Jerome Esprit, you guys. Um, you guys may have heard him last month as we talked about a lot of the presidential um, candidates who are running um, and, and what they're bringing to the table and so forth. And so this time we're going to be talking about that, but we're also going to be asking some questions uh, a lot of people um, have been uh, pondering on and thinking about, including myself. Um, so, you know, as, as we get closer and closer um, to seeing who will be the next president of the United States, we're seeing political parties and candidates get even nastier than usual. I don't know if you guys have seen some of the commercials um, that have been coming across the screens, and I'm just looking like, wow. Um, and one of the things that's always been interested to me, interesting to me is that, we have people whom uh, we see it, uh, even people who are running for governor or mayors, um, the commercials are always, always very just go hard at that person and it tries to, de- you know, to depict that person apart as much as possible. So that's a lot of uh, what we're seeing um, on the media as well. And also we're getting to the point where, once again, um, they have shown the amount of people that have chosen to vote or not vote in certain states. And so tonight we're also going to be talking about specifically <laughs> black people. Uh, we had, you know, for years and years and years we've talked about um, having the opportunity to be able to vote. Well, we have the opportunity, yet some of us still do not vote. Why is that? Why do black people, and I'm not saying other races don't, but tonight specifically we're talking about black people, African Americans. Why do we not vote, even though we have the opportunity to vote? Uh, we hear a lot of stories on how, you know, um, how people in our family and our ancestors in the past have, have fought hard, you know, for us to have the opportunity to vote, yet some of us do not take advantage of that. And also we're going to be talking about what's the point? What's the point in voting? Do people really care who wins the presidential election? So we're going to get into all of that and more you guys tonight, and as well as bring you some knowledge as always um, as we do here on the show. So if you're out there, you're listening at any time, you have a question or comment you want to share with Jerome and I, feel free, call in. The number is 347-326-9139, and all you have to do is press the number 1. And I'll be happy to bring you on here so you can share your thoughts with us on politics in 2016. So I'm not going to delay any further, you guys. I'm going to bring the special uh, guest co-host of the hour on here, Jerome. How are you? I'm well. How are you? I am doing good. 
good. I'm right. doing good. Um, it's a little rainy uh, here. Uh, how, how about uh, where you are? It, it's just cold in New York. So that's all I want to say. It's a little cold. <laughs> no rain, cold, though, but it's cold. Yeah. Yeah, that's what <laughs> it. Gets, it gets to be like that sometimes. So we have to take the good oh, and the yeah. bad, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. So, of course, tonight uh, we're, we're doing the part two of this. And uh, we're going to be touching on some interesting questions that. I have wondered, and just talking to people, um, a lot of people have wondered on and pondered on as well tonight. Uh, but the first thing I want to talk about, um, of course, coming up is uh, what we're seeing on the screen now. We're seeing a lot of Trump. We're seeing a lot of Hillary Clinton. We're seeing a lot of Bernie um, and a lot of the other candidates as well. But I wanted to ask you because it's such a such a big time. He's <laughs> such a big time influence seems to be on people. Why do you think, I mean, we talked about this a little bit on the last show, when it comes to Donald, good old Donald Trump, uh, why do you think people are really rooting and raving for Donald Trump to be our next president? Like, what what do you think people perceive or what are they getting from him that makes them want to say, yeah, you know, he, he would be a great president for us? Well, you know, I think that it is showing the internal workings of what the U.S. is, right? So yeah. the racist yeah. people are really coming out of themselves right now. And, right. and the, people who don't, right. the people who don't like to admit that they're racist are masking mm. it by saying that he's talking straight. Like like that makes sense to anybody with with sense, Right. You don't care right. about people telling the truth if they're telling you some – if people are talking straight to you and cursing you out, do you applaud them saying, hey, you can cuss me out all you want, at least you're telling the truth? You don't care about that, <laughs> right? right? But in his in his case, they're trying to make that sound like that. that's a badge of honor. And what has happened is that during the, the presidency of President Obama, that right. – the news has been complicit, like, in their support of that kind of behavior. And so with Europeans, that it's been a snowball effect, right? Every political season is scare you to death, vote for me, scare you to death, vote for me. That guy's bad. I'm American. He's not. That has been playing so much and that the media and the news, the um, national news media, has mm-hmm. helped create a, uh, an environment that is that doggone nasty, and you can get some guy like that that's that blatantly racist and crazy to run for office and then have people mask their own prejudices by supporting him. So mm. it's kind of the anti, let's go back to being um, narrow-minded like we used to be mm-hmm. because we feel like we're losing something, you know? So... That's uh, pretty much where this is coming from. Absolutely. And and one of the things and one that you mentioned about um the the racism, um, is that a lot of people have talked about that, how I mean, just you know, hearing people on social media um talk about um how they um never knew <laughs> that some of their friends or some people that they were actually um, you know, connected with um, online or even friends. I've heard people talk about friends that, you know, some of them had growing up in school and so forth. 
that um, they never knew that they had these racist tendencies until Trump became right. president. Um, and so a lot of people felt like, you know, was it, you know, is it the fact that, <laughs> of course, for years now, people have pondered over the question, you know, is racism still alive here, even though it's 2016? So do you believe that it was just generally blanketed, like it was just something that was covered up for a certain amount of time? And now that we have somebody who's front and center, who's, you know, is a racist, um, is it now that other people are able to be like, okay, well, I agree with him? Um, are they just willing to jump on the bat wagon now because they actually have somebody out in the public who, you know, is really not afraid about being racist and saying racist remarks? Right. Well, mm-hmm. you know, like I said, it's just pretty much cover for them. But it's it's sad and sick that your friends or the people who like your social media friends, their defense. Right of Donald Trump should be um, a wake-up call to you because, you know, we can, just as people of color generally, we usually give people the benefit of the doubt for the forever, every time something happens. Like, you know, there's a recent story about um, one of Richard Nixon's aides saying that they they used marijuana to round up hippies and heroin to round up black people. Right, so the war on drugs was just made up just to round up black folks to get into the civil rights movement or to jump on the Black Panthers and all this other stuff. Even though they're admitting this stuff, there are black people still like, well, I don't believe that. That's hard to believe. It's like even when people tell you the truth, it's hard to believe. So you can mask <laughs> racism in something and then give out two different messages, and people will accept only what they're programmed to accept. So. People right. still can't believe their friends are racist, even though they're being racist. <laughs> like it's like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they they like strawberry ice cream like I do. <laughs> like racist people can't, <laughs> can't relate to the same things, so right, they have right. a real real hard time dealing with it. Right, absolutely, and I think you know, for a lot of people, um, and, and I, as I said for myself, is that even for me, um, graduating from a predominantly predominantly white school, um, and, and when I say predominantly, I mean predominantly. It was maybe <laughs> maybe <laughs> no, twenty black. Predominantly, when you being nice, don't be nice. You went to a white school. <laughs> yeah, let me say a white school. Going to a white, white school. Yeah, went to a white school. But yeah, I went yeah. to a white school. There were twenty. Twenty, about twenty of us black students. Real talk. I mean, and this was. I mean, this in, wasn't in that long school. ago. Yeah, in the in school. This, in the okay. In so the school. It, I just want to give you this by percentage. A predominantly <laughs> white school says that they have a little bit over fifty percent predominantly. That really. Is, when they're at ninety-five percent or ninety-eight, that's not a predominantly <laughs> white school. <laughs> you had to be bilingual to go there. <laughs> there is there is three there was two girls named Keisha in your school. That's all I want to say. Yeah, there were there were twenty of us um from grade uh ninth through twelfth. Most of us ate a uh, lunch together. Uh we we I mean, you know, everybody convened together in the morning before school and and whatnot. 
But even in, in those circumstances, and I did have white friends, and I've always told people this, is that I believe for a good bit of us, no matter how close we are to people, um, some people are only going to let you see bits and pieces of who they are. You know, so, you know, if you have a friend, and I did, I had a friend whom her father, her brothers and all them were really racist. Now, mm-hmm. when I came around, did they look at me crazy the first time I showed up at her house? Oh, yeah. I was like, oh, wow, what's she doing here? <laughs> now, uh-huh. I never got any racist comments said in my presence, well. but it doesn't mean that it was necessarily not said behind my back. You know what I mean? And so mm-hmm. I think that some people may be um, a little delusional to think that some of your friends of different races may not talk about you in a negative sense. Um, or right. talk about, you know, people of your same culture in a negative sense. Um, right. Just because they're your friends. Like, just because people are our friends, it, does, it doesn't, like, necessarily give them a pass that, oh, they're not going to have anything negative to say about, um, you know, white people or black people. Um, I think people just simply pick and choose, you know, what they're going to say in your presence and what they're not. Right. Yeah. Right. It, and And it's really difficult to um like i said it's a di- it's difficult to accept that you've been programmed a certain way until mm-hmm. somebody actually says something about it and people normally right. get mad this country is really horrible about that right mm-hmm. so when mm-hmm. we are talking about you know politics or talking about life in general when we say as as black people here's what's going on to black people your white friend will say well, that's not all people. It's like, okay, right. it's, the, it's the example I would like to use with your predominantly white school. <laughs> like, it may not be one or two of y'all that's not like that, but predominantly y'all racist. Like, we got to call it what it is. Right, You know, right. like, just because you can't relate. Yeah, if you can't relate, mm-hmm. you can't relate. And so your friends in honesty should be able to say, well, I don't, I'm going to have to take your word for it. I can't relate. You shouldn't have right, to convince right. somebody. Right. Of truth, absolutely. And, and why do you think that? Um, because uh, of course, with, with, with Trump, um, speaking of Trump, uh, with him going to different primaries in different states, he's actually been gaining um, a lot of you know a lot of clout and a lot of response from people. Um, and, and my thing is to see a person, and we've we've seen all the different rallies and the protests and and even the fights and things that have broken out in the places that he's had these different rallies, why would you think, what is your thoughts on why people would still want to put someone who's able to just rile people up on your appearance alone? I mean, at some of these uh, places, he didn't even have a chance to speak. It was just a thought of them knowing that he was going to be there. So why, why would people want to elect somebody who has that type of, capability of just riling people up um, to where they get angry and want to become violent. Well, well, well he's he's invoking anger. So, okay, well, mm-hmm. we can I can put this in a historical in a historic context for you to say right. that if we look at any um great European civilization, and I don't mean mm-hmm. the the stories that were stolen from from African culture. I mean you know, Conan the Barbarian and the Vikings mm-hmm. and all of those. It's all war movies. 
So anytime you right. go even in the old King Arthur and fighting the um, – I can't even think who they were fighting. But it, when they were fighting for, uh, you know, Europe and all of that other stuff, they're always war stories. People like war stories, especially um, certain cultures do. So when he does mm-hmm. that, it's just like fight, 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 kill, 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 right? If we look mm-hmm. at how we look at, like, the Belgium attacks, for example, European nation, 26 people, right? When Turkey had 26 right. people killed, they ain't nobody say a word. Right. Although they were mm-hmm. white mm-hmm. Muslims, they didn't care. When Columbine happened, right. 26 kids in this country, we didn't say anything about we need to have the police presence in suburban neighborhoods. Like we don't do right. that. Or, or you know, the Unabomber or the Columbine kids that are theater shooter. Right. Europeans don't look at themselves as terrorists. They look at people who don't look like them, and it's like always us against them. And so it's what keeps racism fueled um, for on their side because it's easier for them to point the finger at somebody else than to look at themselves. Now, when we start right. talking about people of color, we unnecessarily blame ourselves for every doggone thing because we feel right. personally, personally responsible by saying if that person did this, it's making us all look bad. But that's just kind of mm-hmm. how we are, which right. is unfounded and we – you know, we'll go an extra mile. So we need to deal with that when it comes to politics. Which is interesting because, um, and like I say, for me, having white friends, I've never heard white friends. Like, you know, we look at the TV, um, and and I'm, I'm, you know, I I have done it in the past too. And I look at somebody who committed a crime, and I'm thinking, Lord, please don't let them be black. And if they they show up (laughs) on the TV, and they're black. I'm like, oh, man, like, you just made us all of that. But I've never heard a white person say that. I mean, maybe there are, but I've never heard yeah. one say it no, well, in my they, presence they when can... they look at, you know, one of their <laughs> one of their people, you know, uh, committing a crime or doing something. I've never heard a white person say, yeah, they just made us all look bad. You know, like, well, we, we are affected as a whole, you know. So, right, as a community, yeah. because we – we are um, always lumped in together, so we feel responsible mm-hmm. for each other. Whereas they right. don't give it a second thought. They're like, "Oh, it wasn't even wasn't mm-hmm. me, right? right?" So we can't do that. Right. We always have to, you know. A white person come and ask you in a minute. Like um, this Muslim person said that um, when the stuff happened in Belgium, their mm-hmm. neighbor came up to them yelling at them, saying, "Well, what about?" your people over there in whatever country. And she's like, what are you talking about? (laughs) Like, they have a habit of lumping all people together. And it's a part of the character and the fabric of this country. We overreact Mm -hmm. when it comes to minorities. We have zero tolerance. Lock everybody up, and then um, you have a heroin epidemic breakout in the suburban white kids because of this negative birth weight that Europeans have in this country, mm-hmm. that they're like, mm-hmm. save our children. But they demonized heroin in the 70s, so all black people are like, if you're on drugs, you get what you get. Throw them in jail. Right. And now you're trying to make right. us feel sorry for them just because you're showing their parents opposed to the heroin act at it. So on national nightly news, they had a story of school-age kids, I mean, like elementary school, teaching them mm-hmm. how to administer the antidote for heroin, sticking needles wow. into melons and stuff. That is the sickest mm. thing I've ever seen. But 
Again, we need to know where that psyche is coming from. So when we start talking about politics, somebody needs to, um, you know, I mean, I'm just saying just as an overall understanding, you have to understand Mm -hmm. where that psyche is coming from. Right, right. Absolutely. And, and, you know, one of the things um, that is interesting to me um, is to hear, um, especially um, our current president, um, President Obama, constantly um, being ridiculed for not doing this and not doing that, and especially, uh, you know, when it comes to the Republican Party. And so I feel that so many people are angry um, at the way um, the president has chose to handle things in this country that for them I almost feel like people are only pushing Trump because they feel like, you know, we need some type of, you know, savior, so, so to speak. Like Donald Trump is supposed to be our Superman who's going to come in and, you know, just make things a whole lot better than, you know, Barack Obama ever did. But I think some people fail to realize is that oftentimes we see a lot of people who they say a lot, you know, uh, we, we get a lot of promises from people uh, mm-hmm. when they're preparing to be president. And I'm pretty sure even with Barack Obama, he said a lot of things, and there may be some things that he may were not able to, you know, make happen. But So we get a lot of things from people that they say that they're going to do when they get in office, and then when they get there, it's a totally different type of game. So do you think it's possible that, you know, Trump can't get, um, you know, that make people want to vote for him, but when he gets in there, it's going to be a totally different voter? Right. Um, you know, I and the, the sad thing is, is that, again, we – have to learn how to um, look at the news and look at media because the president is, he is the most, if not one of the smartest president, if not the smartest president, there's not too many more that are smarter than him. And just from the amount of legislation, he passed the most legislative, most legislative, legislatively efficient president that we've ever had. I think at some point, his legislative record is like at 97% at some point. Mm-hmm. And if we look at that and the amount of things that he's done without the help of Congress, it mm-hmm. is an amazing record. I mean, I'm not talking about the obvious health care kind of stuff. I am talking about right. the amount of things that he's done. That's why when we look at him in places like Argentina right now, Argentina hates the U.S., I mean, just hates America flat out for good reason in the in the seventies that we back dictators in South American countries just because democracies did not favor the US back then. So the US started putting money in, in um in dictators who were just flat out massacring people. So mm-hmm. Argentina never liked the US, but they liked President mm-hmm. Obama. Right? right. So his work that he's doing in Cuba, right, it, or when he went to Jamaica, or when he spoke at you know Nelson Mandela's funeral or right, um, his right. memorial services, that there is hate on our side, you know, as especially in European American side, that right. Americans didn't get the courtesy, but they're going to give this guy the courtesy. But I guarantee you, when mm-hmm. he leaves, America is not going. I don't care who's president. 
Hillary is mm-hmm. not that far from Bill, and she's just as much as a, of a war hawk. So even if she won, <laughs> you, the United States standing in, in the world, it's going to still be much more dangerous than it is with President Obama. We, we have seen the glory years of the U.S. The world will change because our ability to travel in some areas is going gonna, is gonna to change because our rhetoric is going to change in this country, and people are going to start shutting us down on the, um, in the um, international community. And that's what normally happens. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, looking at, look, it's like looking at ISIL, for example. You know, it formed right. in 2004, and it, and it only formed because we went in and dis- decimated um, um, Iraqi military. Well, where do you think their military went? Those guys right. are military fighters. So right. we, as arrogant as the U.S. was, Bush goes in there and says, we're going to disband your military, and then we're going to train a whole new force. We'll see how that works out for you. <laughs> and and I can't. And he he still has an international warrant out for his arrest in case anybody forgets this. That's why he's not traveling abroad. Oh wow. well, he's gonna go. He's gonna go to a country at some point, and they're gonna lock mm-hmm. him in jail. Wow. <laughs> wow, wow. Yeah. Uh, one of the things I, I definitely want to talk about, um, and, and you mentioned her, um, is uh, Miss Hillary Clinton. Uh, we're going to talk about her. We're going to take a little short break, and we're going to come back. But we're going to talk about uh, Hillary Clinton um, and her run. And um, do you guys think that um, Hillary uh, is getting a lot of backing because there's a possibility, I say possibility, of her becoming our first female president? Um, or, or what are the real reasons a lot of people are backing her? So we're going to talk about that more right here on the Beautiful Butterfly Show, and we'll be right back, you guys. The Beautiful Butterfly Show would like to thank you for tuning in. Please be sure to follow us on Instagram. That's at Instagram.com forward slash The Beautiful Butterfly Show. Also on Facebook.com forward slash the Beautiful Butterfly Show. And last but certainly not least, you can also catch up with us on Twitter. That's at twitter.com forward slash The Beautiful Butterfly Show. And thank you once again for tuning in on behalf of the Vibration Radio Network. Welcome back, everyone, to the Beautiful Butterfly Show. And if you are just joining us, we're talking about politics in 2016, you guys. And um, before the uh, commercial, I asked the question, um, what is it about Hillary Clinton um, that has some folks inclined about making her our first female um, president? And is it a good idea or not? Um, and, and, Jerome, I went back to you. I felt like... A lot of people, specifically women, um, jumped on board at some point um, and were really excited about the thought of Hillary becoming our next, not only our next president, but the first female president. Um, do you think that she um, is getting a lot of pull predominantly from women um, because she is a woman? 
or is it does it have necessarily to do with her policies and what she wants to put in place? Yes, I, I think it's primarily because she is a woman. I mean, right. the the concept from before was there were a lot of people who came out, you know, when she ran the first time because of the big women's push and equity and all of that good stuff just to get a black woman in there. And, I mean, get a woman in there. But people like to compare him to her by saying that people voted for him because he's black. But I would like to caution you to say that he was qualified and sharp. Like he wasn't like he was qualified because he was black, right? So even if you supported the president, he wasn't a bad choice because he, you know, as a he was a he was a professor of of he was a constitutional scholar. Like who doesn't know the constitution better than the president? He taught it. And the the problem with her is that we are making a natural assumption that she actually knows how to be run president when she didn't sit in those meetings. Vice President Biden actually can be president way before she can. So just because mm-hmm. you're in a legislative body doesn't mean that you understand how the executive body works. And she right. wasn't there. Um, you know, right. She's claiming that she, that she was, but she wasn't. Right. Right. I mean, and do you see that she, I I felt like she believed that she could be in as president because, you know, um, her husband was president. Uh, for some reason, I feel, you know, some people feel inclined that because they're their father or their their uncle or whomever, you know, uh, was a president or even a, a government official at some point in time that that's what they're supposed to do. And so I think that she believed that also she would have some type of clout and some type of leverage uh, because of her husband, uh, Bill Clinton. And, um, you know, I think that she thought that she would, especially when it came to um, black people in general, um, because when Bill Clinton, uh, you know, when he was running, um, Bill Clinton was at, a, you know, he had a lot of black people uh, supporting him and, and, and putting on different campaigns for him and so forth. And so I felt like she felt that she would be able to stand up on that as well. But, you know, she's not her husband, and she doesn't even, you know, come off with the same mindset um, that Bill right. Clinton um, did as well. And so for me as a woman, um, <laughs> you know, I, I don't, I'm not inclined uh, to vote for her because she is a woman. And at the end of the day, I'm going to keep it real. Um, I'm not saying, you know, women are smart, we're intelligent, we're capable of doing a lot of things, but we're also moody and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, if if, if emotions and hormones kick in one day, she might do something just just off a whim, and, and we all be in trouble, you know, just based off of, of emotions alone. So, uh, you know, sometimes I think that uh, people automatically assume, though, you know, seriously that because her husband was president, she feels like, you know, I can do it too, you know. Right. And, and But here's the thing for me is that the things that she's taking credit credit for, let's just say we gave right. her credit for being in the her husband's administration, which she wasn't, right. but let's just say that she was involved in it. Bill Clinton is the reason why we have mass incarceration now. So if we don't if we don't ask her, well, did you agree with your husband's policy, you said you was there. So he knew that it was gonna decimate the black community because that they would not show the crimes bill to the Congressional Black Caucus on purpose so that black people wouldn't know what was in that bill before they saw it on the floor to vote on. 
He mm-hmm. did that on purpose. And so right. he did a lot of things directly to hurt black people. Now she needs to tell us, okay, well, if you was there, what would you do differently? Mm-hmm. And, and and that's the things that you can't trust her with because of the fact that she's been all over the place. I mean, just right. think about her her main concern generally when it came down to um, when when it comes down to answering questions is that she will do whatever the wind blows in. She didn't she didn't talk about you know black people getting killed in Ferguson until Bernie Sanders did and other people came out and then it was safe and she was like all black lives all lives matter at first and then she said oh oh yeah yeah black lives matter too right she does not have any legs and she she will not have any black people in her administration we so the thing about really conservative people, they're just as racist as mm-hmm. really liberal people because right. she feels like she owns black people or knows them enough and owns them that she don't really need to have black people there because she can make the decision on their behalf. Right. That's problematic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. And then um, one of the things I wanted you to talk about, um, she's also, um, isn't she still being investigated? On some charges as yes, well. Yes, they know that yes. she passed, um, you know, um, confidential or, or classified information. She had it on her servers. Mm-hmm. Now, will she be brought up on mm-hmm. charges? We don't know. But once that right. information comes out, that may disqualify her. That may kind of disqualify her because people do not want to vote for her. But the okay. way the party okay. system is set up. It's very different than the Republican side. They change the rules every 10 minutes. They can change their rules at the convention. On the Democratic side, we have – well, I'm not a Democrat, but on the Democratic side, they have Mm -hmm. um, what they call superdelegates. And if you can Mm -hmm. get the elite Democrats to support her, then Mm -hmm. he has to – Bernie Sanders has to kind of clean sweep the primaries. And if he doesn't do that, she can just use backdoor – Money influence stuff to get those super delegates, which she um, pretty much is going to have in her pocket, because that's why they had such a problem with Barack Obama uh, when he was a senator running, is because she had the old school Democrats and he had to get it done on the ground. It wasn't like the wow. established Democrats ever liked the president, because if mm-hmm. they did, we would have universal health care right now. The Democrats held him up. In his first year If you don't know mm-hmm. There was blue dog Democrats Who pretty much held him up From a lot of policies That he could have just passed Going forward When he first got in office Right Wow And, and I wanted to ask you that Speaking of Republican and Democrats How do people determine How they're going to vote You know some people say they're Republican Some people are Democrat And then you have independent uh, What you know, how do people determine what they're? I guess what they're going to register as. If you're going to register um, as Democrat, Republican, or Independent, how how does one go about determining that? Well, usually when you're young, so all the new voters that are coming in, they usually register whatever their family is registered. So if your family was a Democratic okay. family, you register that. And so usually kids, especially school age kids, um, don't have a political opinion. So they say to their parents, to the older folks, which they should do, you know, what's going on with this and what's going on with that. And that's how you get some kind of feel of who you're going to support. So the numbers are usually usually break 
um, exactly how the general population is, even with new voters. But I, the irony of this particular cycle, just like doing the, the president's first or second race, is that polling really couldn't measure the president because the new voters, the younger voters, are gravitating towards a politics that their parents are not gravitating towards. So nobody can see this big landslide loss of Donald Trump. If Donald Trump runs for president, if he's nominated by the Republicans, mm-hmm. they are probably going to have the biggest loss in, in um, electoral college history. Wow. But they can't see it coming because um, even Republicans don't like Donald Trump. I mean, all Republicans aren't racist, and they're not dumb. So right. they're watching this stuff on TV, and I'm sure they're just disgusted. Like, there's nothing that they can do. Wow. But hey, I guarantee it, um, you they won't that, vote for Trump. Yeah. Right. I, I mean, I found it uh, um, interesting um, that even even with that, even with Trump running um, as, as in the Republican Party, um, it's interesting. Uh, it has been interesting to watch the number of Republicans who absolutely are disgusted by him. You know, um, and I think, do you think that they feel that he, in the way he presents himself, makes Republican Republicans in general look bad? Um, because for me, Donald Trump, you know, it kind of goes on as I look at him as an entertainer. Like I don't even take him seriously as a candidate because he looks like he's only up there for entertainment purposes, you know, to maybe call people certain little names or it's like a back-and-forth type of pettiness and and so forth. So do you think a lot of Republicans do not like him running um, based off of his views alone or just the fact that, you know, he's he's showing a whole different side to what we're used to kind of seeing when it comes to the Republican Party? Well, it's – I, I think they have more of a problem is because he's not coherent and, co- and, and, um, and, and cohesive in his words, right? So you can't right. run for office for people who normally vote and say things like, mm-hmm. I'm going to make America great. Other people are going to respect us. That is just a hype man. Mm-hmm. That's Barnum and Bailey. That is a circus. Mm-hmm. So if you right. have no experience on how to run anything, you can't do that. And as a CEO, everybody pretty much, anybody who's been in corporate knows your CEO normally don't know how business runs. They cut the deals and they hire people who are accountants, they hire people who are attorneys, and then they say, well, here's the best deal that we can get. You say yes or no. But you don't get your hands dirty into running a business. And Donald Trump, as far as his history of his success goes, his very first deal was a New York City housing project that his father cut that deal for him. It was $350 million, and his father cut that deal, and that's how he got the name of being a good deal maker. but he's not that smart. Right. And you can hear it in his words. I mean, right. everybody, every, yeah, everybody knows, like, what a bully is, but mm-hmm. if you fight, you know that anybody can get a lucky blow and get anybody out of there. But people mm-hmm. who don't fight talk noise all Day. Right. <laughs> because they don't fight. That's why George Bush, right. as a coward, didn't go to war. He got his de- deferment, and now he's like he likes to swell up every time he gets at the podium. So Donald right. Trump's the same way. If somebody goes there, hit them in the face. I'll pay your legal bills because Donald Trump is not gonna. Donald Trump has never been that kid. 
So, right. you know, you can get a little bit of power, and it just kind of runs the gamut. He and Ted Cruz and those guys are the exact same thing. Right, absolutely. And one of the things I also wanted to talk about tonight is, um, of course, when it comes to uh, black people and, and why we don't vote. And one of the things, I, I came across an article um and in this article, I'm going to read a little bit of it. Uh, it talks about, and you can tell me um, your thoughts, uh, if you agree with some of the things that, that have said um, in this article. It, it says, it's presidential election season, and like clockwork, the Democratic candidates are pandering for the black vote, that the same empty rhetoric that we hear every four years says Hillary Clinton is on the campaign trail doing the la- the latest Negro dances like Whip and the Nay Nay and Bernie Sanders is surrounding himself with groups of black people without actually committing to doing anything specific for black Americans. It's no secret that many black Americans are disheartened by President Barack Obama's hateful neglect of the issues plaguing black society. Consequently, this has caused many black people to be disheartened by the election process in general. History has shown when people are not interested in participating in the election process, this is a sign of potential rebellion. Uh, He says, when the United States was formed, the power elite wanted to prevent the storming of the castle mindset that could potentially overthrow the appointed leadership. So the general public was allowed to participate in an election process to give the impression that popular vote elected a president into leadership. So now when people become became dissatisfied with their leadership, they were now told that they shouldn't be too upset because they were the ones who chose the leaders. The reality is presidents are selected by electoral college and not by the popular vote. But it is still imperative for the general public to participate in the process so they would not rebel against the people put in office. Um, he says in 2008 to 2012, President Obama received over 90% of the black vote. And since he has been in office, there has been a government-backed, a white supremacy-fueled wave of violence, terror, um, black Americans that has captured the world's attention. And so now he says it's election time, and the GOP front runner Donald Trump, whose extreme rhetoric um, galvanized white supremacist crowd, is being heavily promoted in the media to scare black voters into participating in this election. He says the reality is black people should not vote for any of these Democratic or Republican front runners. If we are honest with ourselves, how much worse would it be for black society if Trump was elected? We have been programmed into believing that Democrats have treated black people uh, better than the Republicans, and both parties are dominated by white supremacy. Okay, don't believe that. Go ahead. First of all, yeah. here, here is what happens. So if you suppress black people vote, it's going to help the Republicans. And that whole narrative about President Obama not helping black people is garbage anyway. I hate that argument because the black the, the and White House and that's has, been a big argument from like day one since the White President House I mean, Obama had, got in there. Yeah. Right. But the White House mm-hmm. has had an office of urban affairs since that man has gotten there. So 
if yeah. black people had a concern, they could have called the White House Urban Affairs Office and dealt with it there. Instead, they right. want him to go out and tell white folks what they're going to do for black folk. That wouldn't be smart, mm-hmm. and he wouldn't be there if he was not smart. So right. we need to watch right. our expectations and understand what the difference is from Congress's responsibility. They allocate money to um, to the, the – um, in the nation, and he can't. That's against the Constitution. The president cannot allocate funds domestically. So when you mm-hmm. say that, you need to know, um, go back and take civics and understand what the role of the president is. He cannot do some of those things that people are asking him to do. Mm-hmm. But the Justice Department is locking folks up these days and just right. sent out a memo to all 50 states that they cannot prosecute people for profit anymore. You cannot get mm-hmm. a $25 ticket and get put in jail over a doggone surcharge. They just sent the memo out last week. So do you think that, and this is my, my thought, I feel like as black people, African Americans, I feel that we, we, we put a lot of expectations and pressure on um, President Obama uh, because in some way we felt that, okay, we got a black president, so he's going to come in here and he's going to do things our quote-unquote way. And, and the thing about it is why? Why would you expect him to do that, first of all, you know, when we're not the only ones in this country, first of all, but why would you expect him to specifically only help black people and the issues that black people are doing. Again, the thing to note with um, the president and what he's done for black folks is he made some legislative changes that benefit us all across the board, right? So right. the the um, the credit card act, um, uh, the um, what is it called? It's the Consumer Protections Act made it so that people can't. We have a truth in caller ID. Act. We have an, another act in bill collectors not being able to call you and mask their numbers as somebody else. We have the um, penalty phase of um, of credit cards that's in there that says that if you get a gift card or a prepaid card that they couldn't charge you a fee based upon using that card just because you didn't use it. Like there are a lot of things that he put in place in legis- legislatively to make sure that people – wasn't targeted by poverty pimps. Like he did that specifically for those reasons. It just happens to help everybody else across the board as well, but it made sure that you weren't targeted in black communities for certain things. So he did do some things, a lot of things legislatively, let alone having to stop this country from being in a doggone depression, uh, you know, uh, a Great Depression was his top priority when he got in office. And the keeping us out of war kind of thing and bringing back, I think we had over 400,000 troops deployed when he when he got in office, and there's like 9,000 now. Like he, he pulled back on some of those things and started making sure that people were taken care of because we have a high um, number of people of color in the military. So when he came back and made sure the military had benefits and that if you died in, in service, that your parents who were nursing homes got free nursing, didn't get kicked out. They got for life nursing home coverage for both parents if you died, if you was in the military. 
Now, just those things don't seem like a lot on the, on the surface, but when you died and you were in service, they kicked you off the base, and you had to find your own way to move where you need to move. Now the military pays for that, right? So if you start looking down his legislative record and say that he did not help and benefit black folks, um, you're crazy. But that's where we have to focus our attention to figure out what were the benefits of him being there and what things have changed that benefit us, opposed to saying that you want him to stand on stand on TV and call white folks' names. Like, he's not going to do that. It's just not who he is. I don't think I lost you. Oh, there we go. Okay. And I wanted to ask you, in the process of, of speaking of why um, black people specifically don't vote, uh, what is your thought on that? Do you believe that um, some of us are not voting because of we're not informed about, you know, what's going on with these candidates, or are some of us just taking the mindset of, that that our vote just really truly doesn't matter. What, why are black people? Because they recently here in North Carolina they showed um, a chart on the number of people, you know, in the state and the number of people who voted and did not vote. And so, why is there still a huge percentage of African Americans who just flat out um, refuse to vote? Because because there's nobody to vote for, and what okay. needs to happen, because it's not their mm-hmm. fault that they're not voting, and I wouldn't mm-hmm. blame them for not voting. The the okay. thing is when you run when you are doing a campaign when you're in a campaign you need to speak to the people to motivate them to come out and vote. It is not their job to vote for you because you're in a particular party. So if you were a good candidate, you would be able to motivate people to go out and vote. There is no gimme in this. That's why the Hillary people are, are, are always whining about that. Well, Bernie, mm-hmm. Bernie Sanders should drop out of the race and give us his support. Do you think those people are just going to run over to Hillary? She is not talking right. to younger <laughs> people under 30. Right. So, so what are you going to do? The, the candidates mm-hmm. have to be taught how to run a race and speak to people because they've gotten Absolutely. so far away from people. And, again, yeah. President Obama – is uh is great at this, you know, like he is the top of the chart of what you want as a communicator where everybody else mm-hmm. is pretty much he's an A plus and they're all C students because right. he can go out and move you. You notice that none of these um people have actually got up and done a speech to big crowds of people. They can't hold crowds mm-hmm. like that. They'll right. give a speech for about two, three, four minutes and then they're out of there, and they have a bunch of other people coming up entertaining, and then they wave. President Obama can get mm-hmm. in front of you and speak for about 30 minutes. Those guys can't do that. It's a whole different skill set. Mm-hmm. And, and it seems to be that um, that people, um, and speaking of the, uh, the, the candidates themselves, it seems to be when you look at the, um, the debate, uh, which, of course, it is a debate, but um, a lot of times, even when they're speaking out in, in public forums at universities and different places, it seems like they're speaking more at their opponent 
versus the people in front of them, you know, and, and letting that community uh, and people know what they can do. And so to me it seems like it's so much competitiveness, as it should be because I understand it's it's a presidential race. But at the same time, at what point do, you know, we have people who are running to uh, be president where people are actually just caring about the concerns of the people and now not how much we can verbally destroy, you know, our opponent by down-talking them, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that that is a, again, it's a style right. change that we right. are used to in our politics that we scare people to go out and vote. It does not work. And and none of them are taking any lessons from the president when he ran for office because they're falling back on default. So what default is um, is scare people, and if you, the world's going to end if you don't vote for me. They do that in Congress. They do that as senators, and they definitely do it as president. The only person mm-hmm. who's not doing mm-hmm. that is pretty much Bernie Sanders, but Bernie Sanders' issue with not doing that is that – you have to actually um, – Bernie Sanders is just not a really good communicator. It's just not his thing. Mm-hmm. We've had good presidents who are good communicators, not saying that it's it's a good thing one way or another, but after you go some behind people, the A student – huh? Some people have said that Bernie is too old. Do you think he's too old to be running? No, not at all. But I still think yeah. – I still think that we have – we're in the midst of a history-making event where is something happens with the charges on Hillary and with somebody who's so disqualifying as uh, um, a Donald Trump that President, Vice President Biden, if he gets in by April or May-ish, is going to break the Democratic Party. He can go in as an independent Democrat, and as long as he gets on the ballot, he will win very easily. I still think that 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 hasn't been done since Abraham Lincoln, but he destroyed mm-hmm. the Whig Party at the time. But he he the the Republican Party had, enrollment has gone down, even just from the last election has gone down. There's not that many Republicans. There's more independents and Democrats in this country. So the, you can't run as a as a Republican and just cater to Republicans and win Jack anymore. So. That's why Congress is, is scared. You have 24 Republican senators up for reelection, and they're going to get swept over there. So we're about to watch something happen really interesting in history that you can possibly have um, Vice President Biden come in. And that guy, even if he's one term, he's been president. I mean, he sits in everything with, with President Obama since day one. And that was a part of his deal with the president is that he sat, he he meets with him every Monday morning, and in every major meeting, he's the last person that talks to the president before he goes out. Now that's that's sitting close to the president. Hillary did not sit that close to the president. Wow, wow, this is, you know, and so overall, um, in, in speaking of this, um, how do you see things panning out? Like, is there a possibility? Um, that that Trump, uh, I mean, of course, we have other candidates as well, um, but a lot of them are saying, uh, of course, some of the other candidates are not as strong. But it, it's still possible that you could have someone 
um, who is not getting a lot of the votes still come around and beat everybody, right, and become president. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right, right. It's, be, it's because you are going to have a lot more flux of younger people into voting, and the whole the people who support um, President Obama didn't don't necessarily support Hillary, and so by default people are falling into Bernie's lap. If if mm-hmm. um, Hillary comes out of this thing and they kind of disqualify Bernie for some reason, they those people are liable to stay home, and that's a problem for the Democratic Party. So the only way the Republicans normally win is for low voter turnout, and they need that. So if somebody like uh, um, Vice President Biden comes in, then you're going to see all of those people come back because the president has won in a landslide, an electoral college landslide, both times. They weren't even close, right? So the first time that it's, the last time it's been done was 100 years prior to the president, and he did it twice. Mm-hmm. So those numbers are unheard of. Wow. Wow. Yep. Wow, and so I, I think uh, with with the election in itself, I think a lot of times um, people um, choose not to vote um, altogether because you also have other races who choose not to vote because a lot of people feel that you know it's not going to matter one way or the other. And I think a lot of times people don't understand um, in, in general what's going on. So, so I believe it's always good to ask questions. Um, and do your research and discover, you know, on what these people are talking about, the changes that they are wanting to make. Um, I think a lot of people are, in, in general, are just they're they're misinformed and they're uninformed uh, of what's going on. So they don't really know one way or the other. And so some people just choose instead of doing research and and finding out um, about things, they just choose not to participate. You know, which is which is not um, a good thing as well. So, um, you know, it, it's it's going to be interesting uh, to see how things pan out um, over time and so forth. And um, one of the things I did want to ask you is that when it becomes, um, do you think it will come to a point? Um, you know, even after you know this presidential race, because I've heard a lot of people say that they also didn't want to vote because, um, as you mentioned earlier in the show, uh, for a lot of black people, it's nobody to vote for. You know, who do we vote for um, based off these candidates? Um, so what do you think we the always future vote. Uh, e- um, Yeah, we always vote for the for the best of the two yeah. evils, like, you know, yeah. like who's going to hurt <laughs> us the less. But that's what we used to do back in the days. I have, I have right. always voted. But right. what, what could, what can we do? I mean, we have yeah. to make sure people aren't blatantly trying to hurt us. And there's a responsibility right. that we make sure that the people who are trying to hurt us the most are not giving a pass to do it. You don't mm-hmm. say, well, since I, I don't get who I want to be in there, I shouldn't participate. We need to make sure we still play defense. Right. Absolutely. It is our responsibility Absolutely. to do that. Absolutely. I, I agree. I think that sometimes we, we get a little frustrated and we kind of – you know, throw our hands up at things and say, well, you know, I'm not going to participate in this. I'm not going to bother doing this and that and the third. And we don't um, often realize how, you know, those decisions um, definitely affect um, a lot of things um, that can take place. So I am definitely glad that you joined me here on the show tonight. It's always good to touch on this uh, subject with you. (laughs) Well, thanks for having me, and and hopefully – you know, we 
did give some kind of perspective because the thing about voting is to know that it is not the person who you love that always runs, and you can't yeah. look at you can't take pro, um, politics so personal that you think mm-hmm. that you know all of the in and outs. And so the president, mm-hmm. if you want to watch him, you know, I would say read more about him online than you need to see on TV because they haven't been doing a fair mm-hmm. job over his um, over his term. Right. Absolutely, absolutely. So, folks, with that, I'll say again, Jerome, thank you so much for joining me here on the show. I definitely appreciate having you on, and we will do this again real soon, you guys. Absolutely. And so I definitely uh, want to encourage you guys, make sure you do your research, homework, and all that good stuff uh, when it comes to um, this election. Um, And make sure you know about the policies that are going on in your city, your county, um, those that are affecting you right in your community because it definitely um, matters. Um, get out there, make things happen. I hope you guys uh, were able to take away a lot of things from the show today. Uh, so with that said, folks, we're going to get ready to get out of here, but I'm going to see you back here again next Tuesday. Uh, you guys, as always, uh, you know we bring you spectacular guests over here on the Beautiful Butterfly Show, and I am excited about it, about it, you guys. So um, coming up Tuesday, we got another hot topic for you guys, uh, which we were supposed to do this week, but Butterfly had a, another engagement going on. But um, So Tuesday, we're going to be talking about women and sabotage. Uh, when we look on social media and we see the a number amount of women, we're just speaking on women now, who uh, like to sabotage one another. And what I mean by that, um, a lot of negative comments, a lot of uh, negative image um, and downplay when it comes to women. Why are we as women, um, you know, so eager to tear one another down? And if men come across and say certain things to us, we would get real upset and, and, and bent out of um, our emotions and all that good stuff. But why do we? Why do we as women um, try to destroy and tear down uh, one another uh, and our character and so forth? So that was, that's what we're going to talk about Tuesday, you guys, um, at 6.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on the Beautiful Butterfly Show. As always, I want to encourage you guys to make sure you go and download our new app, you guys. That's YRN 1328 available on your Androids, you guys, so that you can listen to the Beautiful Butterfly Show <laughs> and all of the rest of the great shows over here on your radio network, Vibration Radio, Taylor Kennedy Media um, has to offer you guys. So make sure you do that so that you can keep up with us and the shows. Um, great music. Um, you just going to have a great experience on that app, I guarantee you guys. So with that said, you guys, we're going to get ready to get out of here. I appreciate you guys. Have a great weekend, and I'll see you back here on Tuesday.
Beautiful Butterfly Show would like to thank you for tuning in. Please be sure to follow us on Instagram. That's at Instagram.com forward slash The Beautiful Butterfly Show. Also on Facebook.com forward slash The Beautiful Butterfly Show. And last but certainly not least, you can also catch up with us on Twitter. That's at Twitter.com forward slash The Beautiful Butterfly Show. And thank you once again for tuning in on behalf of the Vibration Radio Network.